I'm the kid who did exactly as my parents instructed. I'm what you would call a rule follower, a straight arrow, or what my sister Carrie called boring. Carrie was the wild one. Because of this juxtaposition, I've always sustained we are reactions to our siblings. There's a calm one and a hyper one, a studious one and an artsy one, a loud one and a quiet one. My research on sibling theory is based on the 8 to 10 families I observed growing up, so don't look for my white paper anytime soon. Welcome to Overthinking in Your Underwear, the show where we use our overthinking brains for self-discovery instead of total sabotage. I'm Lindsay, author of Overthinking in Your Underwear, the book, now available on Amazon. This week, Confessions of a Rule Follower, Overthinking the Labels We Carry from Childhood. If a group of us spent the night at a friend's house whose parents were a bit lax with the curfews and plans were made to sneak out, I stayed back to keep the family dog company. I didn't want to get in trouble. Didn't like to lie. Couldn't handle the guilt associated with a middle school sneak out, so I decided I was better off cuddling with Connie. Connie was the name of the family dog. This made the facts of one summer night in 1994 all the more perplexing for my mother. I don't know if this is exclusive to my middle of the map or if it rings true to your upbringing, but there was an activity in our high school that involved drinking cheap wine coolers in a church parking lot. There wasn't a name for it, but if you pressed me, I'd call it Holy Hangover or Passion of the Smirnoff Ice if I was being theatrical. This wasn't totally my scene. Sure, I'd go to the parking lot to be with my friends, but I didn't do much drinking in those days, as to avoid previously stated trouble and guilt. One night, something came over me, and I end up in the back of Sacred Wood Baptist with a few friends, including Bartles and James. After a few drinks, the neighborhood cops pull up to end our little party. The red and blue lights flash before my eyes, along with my life as the good kid. My friends are taken to the station, but because of my age, the officer drops me at my house, all of two blocks away. My mother answers the door in her nightgown and strains to piece together the situation in real time. Ma'am, we have your daughter in the squad car. We found her drinking in the church parking lot up the way, the officer says. Carrie, my mom states without question in her voice. My sister watches the scene unravel from upstairs and defends herself from the second floor. Mom, I'm home. I've been home for a week. I'm grounded. Genuine confusion follows as the officer retrieves me from the car and walks me inside. My mother can't fathom how I, the good one, could act outside her perception of me, so she asks, did Carrie have anything to do with this? I puzzle my brain for a way to pin this on my older sister, but but decide it's my cross to bear. Not really, I say, splitting the difference. My mother thanks the officer and tells me we'll discuss things in the morning. I spend the night tossing and turning, partly from the cheap watermelon syrup mixing with the gas station taquito I had for dinner but mostly from the fear of my fate. Extra chores, infinite grounding, no Nintendo. It was worse. The next day, my parents and I have one of those, we're not mad at you, we're just disappointed discussions. Punishment is one thing, but disappointment is psychological warfare, parental style. The admonishment struck me right in the marrow of my good kid label, and they knew it. Being the good kid has its benefits and its drawbacks. You may avoid the brunt of the blame when it comes to childhood antics, but lug around a perfectionist complex that has you showing up to meetings 15 minutes early and apologizing to the leg of a chair for your clumsiness. I'm sure you have a label that's easy to peel away. 
Maybe you are anointed the musician of the family, the athlete, or the one who would do something amazing. We all have labels we, name, we may not observe in ordinary life, but they influence us in good and bad ways, affecting our behavior and perceptions of ourselves. As easily as we gather good labels, we also pick up a truckload of negative notions. These are the labels we need to overthink, understand, and omit from our inner monologues. Our negative labels begin to shine a light on what Swiss mister psychologist Carl Jung called the shadow self. The shadow is formed during childhood and follows us the rest of our life if we don't sit down, stare at it across the breakfast table, and have a reckoning. For our purposes, we're going to simplify aspects of Jung's theory in terms of labels. Shadow work is a complex subject with layers that take an entire book to digest. If the concept of labels appeals to you, see resources linked at the bottom of the blog for further reading. It's not hard to hear our light negative labels. They're yammering over our inner monologue like the most annoying guest at a party. Pipe down, Tiffany. They're locked and loaded with insecurities and ready to remind us when things go wrong or get a bit quiet. Negative labels are words such as ugly, fat, stupid, failure, or incompetent. I know, fun, right? As I began to monitor my inner monologue, I was knocked over by negativity. Phrases buzzed from ear to ear, such as, I'm not smart enough for that job, or he'd never go out with me, or even, I'm such a bad driver. And here's the thing, I am such a bad driver. I once ran under a school bus because I didn't look both ways before pulling into an intersection. Yellow, black stripes, the size of a small strip mall that kind of school bus. But even this bullseye accurate self-slight is one I don't need to replay every time I get behind the wheel. A, it's making me more nervous as I drive. B, it doesn't add to my overall self-worth. And that's the noise we're shutting up, turning off, closing down for business. Note, no school children were hurt in the writing of this paragraph. The bus was empty, but one for one very nice driver. If we look at our labels, positive or negative, where did they come from? And more importantly, are they ours? Who gave you this label and do you want it? Don't accept a label you didn't earn. And even if you salted the rim on that label of world's worst drinker of margaritas, you don't have to carry it around. Pick it up and put it down. See why it's there and decide it's no longer yours to own. My list of labels doesn't start and stop with the good kid. When I take time to sit with my list, I'll get to sick, weak, and small. I had a lot of headaches growing up and an eating disorder throughout middle school and high school. Because of this, my family often treated me as a fat, fragile being about to break. Even as an adult with a ham sandwich in my hand, I felt there was something wrong with me, regardless of what had come together in my life. This was only my perception, but that's the thing about labels. They're sticky. It's hard to wipe them clean until you see there's a sigh from the past and not a full-throated reflection of who you are now. So that's the written version of the blog. As usual, there's a let's overthink it section that asks that you sit down and listen to your inner monologue for a few days and really collect your labels and see what those words are that you're saying to yourself. It really helps you uh, understand kind of what you picked up from the past and see how your inner monologue is maybe influencing you in good and bad ways. So I'm really interested in the subject of labels for so many reasons. One of the reasons is how I set up this whole subject really um, is talking about uh, my sibling. Uh, my sister, we were really 
kind of pigeonholed, I would say, or however you want to talk about it. We are labeled really as the good one and the wild one, the loud one and the quiet one. And by no fault of my parents, it wasn't only them. It, it was sort of people around us. I think maybe because there was such a juxtaposition between us, it seemed like we were so different, I would say. It was always like, oh, she was the loud one. She was the quiet one. She's the wild one. She's the good one. She's the studious one. She's not, you know. And because of that, people tended, not just my parents, um, to label us. And I, I can't speak for what that did to my sister, but I think labeling children, like, really young, I'm always really sensitive to that because I think... It, it pigeonholes you and makes you feel really in a box. Like for instance, for me, and this isn't of course the worst label to get, but saying you're the quiet one, you tend to then feel like you don't have a voice and you tend to not speak up. If, if people go, oh, she's the quiet one. Okay, well now I'm not gonna speak. I'm not gonna use my voice because I have been told that I am the quiet one. I have been labeled that, I have been given that uh, moniker. So it took me a long time to find my voice frankly, uh, in my family, especially, especially in the family system. And the family system, I think, is we get labels everywhere. We get labels in our family system. We get them in our friend group. Uh, we get them in our office setting. Uh, people label, people are always looking for labels. That's kind of how we categorize people, right? It's how we, it's, it's a filing system um, for us. But I, I just, feel like we need to be careful because it tends to box people in and not let them move outside of them. And even if people are going to continue to do it, just be careful of the labels you adopt. Be careful of what you believe um, about yourself. So like I was saying, I was given the label of the quiet one. And for a long time in my family, I I, I believed it about myself and I believed that was my role. And I come from a, a very loud family and I love them. They're all very funny. They're all very gregarious. Everyone loves to be around them. They're really entertaining, but I felt like they were the loud ones. I was the quiet one and I kind of accepted that role and then couldn't find my voice um, until I was older, until I realized like that didn't have to be my role. I didn't have to believe that about myself. Um, so I think, and here's a dangerous label I'll tell you about. I also, because I had a lot of headaches growing up and because I had an eating disorder growing up, I think not that anyone said this out loud and a therapist actually helped me understand this. There was sort of like this subconscious label of, oh, the sick one. Oh, she's sick. Oh, you know, whether it was sick from an eating disorder or sick from headaches. And I had to really work hard to feel like I do not want that label. Like, I don't want to talk about feeling sick. I don't want to own that label. I have to work my way outside of that label. I have to tell myself I am healthy. I am healthy. I am healthy. Like I am not going to own the label of I am sick. And because I had the eating disorder and because I had a lot of headaches growing up and we were kind of always trying to figure out where my headaches came from, it's not that anyone said, oh, there's Lindsay, she's the sick one. But I felt like it was sort of this 
label that I internalized. And I really had to work my way out of it and change my inner monologue to I am well, I am well. I meditate on I am well, I am well, I am well. Um, And that's what I encourage you to do because there can be these kind of internal labels that you pick up that no one looks at you and says, you're the sick one. Uh, No one looks at you and says, you're the one, you're the failure. You know, your, your sister is the one that achieves everything and you're the failure. No one would ever look at you and say that. But did you internalize that? Did you internalize that your sister was the one that gets straight A's and achieves everything and you're just kind of the one that's, eh, we, we accept that you're not going to do much. Like, did you internalize that message? And so I encourage you to really look at your labels. And if you sit there and go through your labels and you go, I always have this this feeling of I'm, you know, I'm less than, I'm less than, I'm less than. And did I pick that up because my sister was this major overachiever and I got this message of I am less than. Um, And again, no one said that to you. It's not, it was never done with ill intent, but we pick up all these labels from childhood. We pick them up from our friend groups. You could have gotten that message from a friend group because you we were in a you were in a friend group of overachievers. Um, so that's what the exercise does of looking at our labels. If you just list every label you would say about yourself, you know, um, I am an athlete. I am a musician. I am a failure. I am sick. I am a bad driver. Like. Look at all of your labels. And that's why when we get to the bottom of this, this exercise, I really say, when we look at our labels, it's really important to say, where did they come from? Positive or negative, where did they come from? Okay, you look at your labels and you get to, I am incompetent. Okay, well, where did that come from? You feel like you are always messing up things. You feel like you're incapable in certain projects or certain areas of your life. That's something you can work on. That's okay. You don't have to walk around and own that label. That is an area you can build up your skill set around. So I also say, I say, look at your labels and ask, where do they come from? And more importantly, are they ours? So did you adopt this label from someone else? Like, let's say you looked at I am incompetent and really you adopted that from a parent. You felt like your parent always walked around saying that about themselves. Your parent felt really incompetent in their job and you adopted that label from them because we definitely do that too. Um, So you go, oh my gosh, I always walked around saying that because I heard my parents saying that. Um, it's something that I just absorbed. It's not even my label. Um, and then find the inverse of that. I am capable. I am capable. I am capable. Write it down. Say it through meditation. Um, the next thing I say is who gave you this label and do you want it? So like I said, you could have come by it honestly, cause you had a few instances where it happened or you could have adopted it from someone else. Uh, even if you adopted it someone from someone else, you don't have to carry it around. Uh, pick it up and put it down. 
see why it's there and decide it's no longer yours to own. So I, I say a lot in the book, pick it up and put it down, learn a lesson and leave it there. So God forbid we're all the same person that we were when we were 15 or 18 or 25. We're always evolving. We're always learning. If you picked up, if you have the label on your list that you're incompetent, of course you can change and evolve out of it. I would have the label on my list when I was 25 of procrastinator. I used to procrastinate to the last minute to do projects. Now if I get a project, I do it right away. I don't even know what that's about. That's probably something else. But we're always evolving. We're always changing. You don't have to carry around a label your whole life. Uh, just because you were the quiet one when you were little, you could be the overly gregarious one now. My dad always tells this story about, actually my dad and his family always tell this story about how he was shy and never said a word until he came home from college and all of a sudden he is this outgoing, funny, charismatic character. We're always evolving. We're always changing. Just because he was the quiet one when he was younger, he completely changed by the time he was a 22-year-old man. We're always evolving. We're always changing. Just because you have a label doesn't mean you have to own it. Um, so I really encourage you to look at your labels. Ask, where did they come from? Are they ours? Do you want to own it? And you don't have to carry it around. Pick it up, put it down, learn a lesson and leave it there. Um, and also really revise your list of labels. So look at that list of labels. Keep the ones you want. Okay, I this one says I am a, a beautiful, awesome, capable leader. Keep it. Revise the, revise the ones you don't want. I'm a failure. Change it to I'm a success. Make a new list of labels. And if you're into meditation, which I encourage you to be, um, if you're into meditation, use that list during meditation or just make kind of an affirmation list while you're brushing your teeth. Start saying those list of positive labels and it'll really change your inner monologue. It really will change the words you say to yourself. It'll change how you label yourself and overall it will change your self-worth, which is what the whole book is really about. It's about looking at our past, overthinking it a little bit, and working through some exercises to support your self-worth. So thank you for overthinking with me this week. Until next time, wishing you all good thoughts.